Welcome to the Autism and Neurodiversity Podcast. We're here to bring you helpful information from leading experts and give you effective tools and support. I'm Jason Grigla, a licensed counselor and founder of Techie for Life, a specialized mentoring program for neurodiverse young adults. And I'm Debbie Grigla, a certified life coach. And maybe most importantly, we're also parents to our own atypical young adults. Hello, this is Jason Grigla here on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Debbie and Jason. I'm going to be uh, talking alone today, and I would like to discuss something that comes up quite often in our work with parents and young adults, especially sometimes teenagers and between, between married couples. And since I've gotten older, I have started to realize how valuable my resources are and how limited they are, um, especially time, um, not just money. And then as I got even older and more wise and mature, I realized that my emotions and how much I have to offer in caring and empathy and sadness and feeling, and I refer to those as emotional units, I've learned that I only have a certain amount of emotional units to give every day before I become toasty or crispy, um, which is kind of how we refer to it at work when we've had a really hard long day and all of our emotional units are spent and it has really nothing to do with how much time we've been working. Um, but the older I get, the more I realize I want to protect my, my resources and I have learned how to have boundaries, and I need boundaries to protect my priorities. So boundaries and priorities always go together. They're linked. And I want to explain some principles today that have helped me guide my decisions and also my counseling in um, all that I do in my work and in my home. Um, oftentimes we think that boundaries are a you know, are they're about being abused and it's about being victimized and perpetrators and abusers. Really boundaries are simple everyday things that don't have to be big and contentious. They just have to be how we prioritize um, where we spend our limited resources. Um, growing up, there was a, a book by Shel Silverstein, the, the beloved poet, you know, where the sidewalk ends. And he wrote the book called The Giving Tree where the tree selflessly gave everything to a boy who grew into a man. And in the end, the tree was gone and there was a trunk and the boy had a house and the boy was happy and the trunk was dead. The tree was dead. And um, several years after that, someone, I think wise, who had been through a lot of codependent issues, um, who had to learn the hard way about boundaries and priorities, wrote a retort book called The Other Giving Tree. And if you haven't read it, I think it's really good, and I often give it out to people who are having a hard time knowing when and how to say yes or no. And in the other giving tree, the retort, the tree says no to the boy wanting its branches, but yes to all the apples he can eat. Um, and the boy at first calls the tree selfish, but in the end, the boy as an old man comes back and sits under the shade of the tree because the tree wouldn't allow him to take everything um, from him. And because the wise tree who wasn't codependent and enmeshed had boundaries, 
it was a sustainable relationship that in the end worked for both of them. Anyway, that's a basic principle that underlies how we approach setting and having boundaries. So when we want to or need to or are required to decide where to spend our resources, it's often the people we care about the most that it is the hardest to make the decisions. And I think I've mentioned it before, but many of Debbie and I, many of our fights, our most intense fights were about how to best care for, parent, intervene, and do what our children needed. And we wanted so badly and passionately to be everything for them and do everything for them that we could that oftentimes we would fight over a razor's edge decision, which probably wouldn't have mattered either way, one way or the other. Um, someone shared with me the quote that we, we as parents are only as happy as our unhappiest child. And I think that's pretty accurate. Um, obviously an overgeneralization, and yet it teaches the principle that's pretty true that parents always go to the squeaky wheel, the one that's broken, the one that needs to be fixed. Um, and that's probably the way it should be. Um, when it comes to boundaries and setting boundaries, we need to understand the goal. Boundaries are about protecting our resources in a way that is sustainable. If we give everything away and we can no longer sustain um, our life or who we are, then we have martyred ourselves and we will no longer be there for them. I've seen um, workers burn themselves out for a good cause at, you know, on the job in counseling. I learned long ago that if I kill myself emotionally and I burn out after 10 years of being a therapist, I won't be there for 20 years or 30 years or longer because I will have given too much, too fast, and I'll be used up and crispy and burnt in life, not just for the day. Um, and then in, you know, in parenting, it's so hard because we want to say yes. Most of us want to say yes whenever we can. And often the decision is, well, if I say yes to everything, I know there's, I know logically that's not okay. There are some things that I will need to say no to if I want to be a good parent because any parent that says yes to everything, that makes the child the owner of the relationship and in charge. That puts an undue burden on them. It actually causes them a deep sense of anxiety and um, insecurity. And so children who get whatever they want develop in a fear-based, anxious way because they don't have the security and the safety of boundaries. And someone saying, that's not okay, we're not going to do that. So there are five ways that we can say yes or no that I want to talk about. The first is if we say no to something and we feel good about it, that's great. Not a problem. Um, the other person might kick and scream and throw a temper tantrum. But if we have peace, even if they're upset and frustrated because we know that we did the right thing to say no, then then we're good. But if we say no and we feel really bad about it because we either made the wrong decision or we don't feel confident enough 
to allow them to have their own emotions and experience and we feel responsible for how they feel so we feel guilty shame uh, just feels yucky to have to say no I, I don't like it but if it really takes away our peace of mind when we say no and we're miserable that's a you know that's a lose lose they might win in the well either way they, they didn't get what they wanted and we feel horrible so we both lose in the first scenario it was we say no so we're healthy and we feel at peace and balanced in our hearts and minds but they hear no so it's kind of a lose for them but a win for us but in the end our relationship is sustainable so we're there for them forever in the end it becomes a win-win because it's healthy uh, the third scenario is when we say yes and we feel good about it they win we win it's a great it's a win-win um, but when we say yes and feel bad about it that's not real healthy and it's not sustainable because the child gets what they want or the other person, the other party gets what they want. Um, but we don't get what we need, which is sustainable peace and balance and a feeling that I'm good and I'm okay. Um, I'm, I'm at peace with myself. Your relationship with yourself suffers. And so that's that's a lose for you and a win for them. But in reality, because you lose in the long term, they will lose also because you will no longer be able to be there for them after a while because it's unsustainable to say yes and feel horrible about it because it was unhealthy. So those are the first four. And the last one is an interesting one. And I do think there's a place for it. It's when you don't want to do it, but you say yes, knowing that it will be temporarily temporary and it will lead to a better position for both of you in the long run. Um, and I guess an example would of that would be very, very seldom, I think, is it why, well, it's not wise to give family members, extended family, children money, um, just to give them money. I, I think that causes a lot of problems in the long run, especially with adults, um, our, our adult children. But once in a while, it's okay to do something that will help them and make them feel like um, they're loved maybe you invest in a small business maybe you give them a car but you never do it as a loan so they ask for money you say you know i'm willing to do that for you because i believe in what you're doing i believe this is a good thing and this is a one-time deal because it's unsustainable for you to keep coming to me for money and so it's a little tricky um in in a relationship with a spouse, if they ask you to do something that you're not comfortable with, but you do it out of love, if it keeps going and they don't appreciate it, they take it for granted, they start feeling entitled, then it becomes a lose-lose. If either party loses, it's a lose-lose for both of you in the long run. So one of the principles is that we want to sustain a long-term relationship of influence, not just get through that moment where we say yes or no to make it comfortable. I am never interested in being comfortable, but I am interested in being at peace or healthy, which is different. Comfortable means you do the easy thing to avoid hard, but then it gets harder and harder and harder. A child that wants money, you say yes, then they come back for more, you say yes. And in, in the end, when they've bled you dry and they're mad that you don't have any more money to give and you're broke and now they're mad at you because you're broke because you taught them you would be the source of their money. You know, that's a lose-lose. And in the end, unhealthy means unsustainable. 
So when it when it comes to saying yes or no, we have to have a list of what our priorities are, and we need to know what those are if we want to protect our very limited resources. And I, I want to go down a list quickly of what I see as healthy priorities for the most healthy, life-satisfied people that I meet on a daily basis. And I think uh, I think these might adjust a little bit for some people, but for the most part, these are pretty accurate. Every healthy, happy person I've ever met has their priorities in these orders. Um, and, and they're going to be generalized, but they're good as a typical um, view of what's important to us. The first is my relationship with myself has to come first. I need to like myself. If I am miserable and I end up putting myself last, that means that I'm empty and I'm the stump of the tree that's given away everything. And then I don't produce any more shade, any more leaves, any more apples for anyone else. And I'm done. And I may say to myself, well, I martyred myself for others by putting myself last. But it's not all that healthy, actually, in the long run. There was an old Protestant um, statement that the word joy is an acronym that stands for Jesus first, others second, and you last. They really wanted to punch home the idea that selflessness is really a good thing, a charitable thing, a Christ-like thing. Well, for those of you who are Christian, I just want to say Jesus took care of himself so that he could be what he needed to be for everyone else. He made sure that he was prepared and capable and worthy um, to pay for our sins. And he really did make sure that he was healthy so that he could put others as a priority in, in his life as well. But he was first. And that's what healthy people do. We want to make sure we're there for the long haul. Any mother that burns themselves out to help their child who is absolutely struggling ends up, they, they both end up broken and on the floor. So it's not helpful. Um, and then the child who you gave everything for feels guilty. They feel burdened. They feel um, ashamed. Um, it's just not healthy for anyone in a situation. So I really like the idea that when we put ourselves first, we are actually capable of being more for everyone else. And I've learned that I can give more and be more to everyone else if I make sure I'm healthy first. A part of that includes if you do believe in God and have a relationship with God, that, that I'm good if I have a great relationship with God. And that means that if we do put God first, as some religions teach, that we fully believe that God will pull us into his inner circle and make us a priority and make our relationship a priority so that God says, look, I will love you with all my heart and you will accept my love and let me love you and you'll let me in. And that relationship becomes the priority. Um, but second, if you are, um, if you're married, the second most important priority is the marriage. Everything else comes after the marriage and your relationship with yourself. That's because the job is useless if you don't have a marriage. Your children suffer if you put them above your marriage. The best gift you can give your children is a healthy marriage relationship. If you're not married and you're single, you may decide other things can be up there or you just may take that one out. I 
I like working on yourself if you want to be married, but you're single um, and making yourself a priority so that you become an attractive um, partner so that you can get married again if that's what you want. And if you don't, that's fine. Um, the So the first is ourselves and our relationship with ourselves. The second is our marriage. The third is our children. I spend way more time at my job than I do one-on-one -on -one with my kids. That doesn't make my job more important than my children. I go to work every day for my children and for my wife and for myself. So you don't measure priorities just in time or how much money you spend on it. Um, priorities are based on value systems. And so after we are healthy and balanced with ourselves and then our marriage is good so that we can be co-parents together and have um, our children be as healthy and capable as possible, then the next our priority is our job. And that doesn't mean that we um, avoid our job to go be with our children. It's that we go to work and do our jobs so that we can make sure that we are providing what our children need if we have them. And if if what you're providing for your children is going to school and getting an education so you can um, have a career, then that's your job. And if it's staying at home and being a, a stay-at-home parent, then that's your job. Um, but that that job is really important. And after the job comes our extended family, people that don't live in our home. And that might very well include really close family friends that are like extended family. It might include our church family where we take care of each other if we belong to a church congregation. So extended family becomes really important. So if my my job is my priority over extended family, that doesn't mean I don't take off work sometimes and go help extended family or close friends if they're in priority, or excuse me, if they're in crises. If they're in crises, it just means that sometimes um, I stop what I'm doing and I leave my wife and my kids and my job to go help out. But I don't let that happen every day, all day long. And I never let my job be more important than my children or my wife or myself. And that's how priorities work is I set boundaries to ensure that all of those things are in the right order. The last thing I want to mention is that every healthy, happy person I've ever met always takes time for hobbies, talents, and interests. If we grow our heart and our mind intellectually and our social skills, whatever it is that we value um, for hobbies, talents, and interests, if we make that an important part of our life, we are happier. And that, that helps support and sustain our relationship with ourself, which helps us be a better spouse, which helps us be a better parent, which helps us be a better worker on the job. Um, some people, when they put their top, their hobbies, talents, and interests first, they start to lose the other things. They'll lose their marriage, they'll lose their kids, they'll lose their job. Some people who put their children over their spouse will, will lose their marriage possibly, and that will make everything harder. Um, so if you put these in the right order, then you end up doing... Um, what's called putting first things first, which was Stephen R. Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And when you put first things first, we end up having room for all of it. And I, I like those. So in order, again, it's my relationship with, with myself, which includes my relationship with God, if we're so inclined, my, my marriage, if I'm married, my children, if I have children, 
my job, regardless of whether that's getting an education, earning a paycheck, or being a stay-at-home mom, um, or some type of service mission, whatever it is that's your job at the time, and extended family, including close neighbors, friends, and, and church congregations, and then lastly, hobbies, talents, and interests. If we keep those as our priorities and we learn to set boundaries so that those stay in the right order, everything else goes great. Everything else seems to fall in its right in its rightful place. And sometimes I say, you know what? I would love to be here and tuck you kids in tonight, but daddy really needs to go work out. I really need to go biking, get some exercise. Otherwise I'm going to be cranky and miserable and I won't be as good of a dad or husband tomorrow. So good night now. I'm not going to stay home and read to you because I need to exercise. But if I'm always exercising, I'm not really putting things in the right order. So that's how I like to put priorities in order. I think there might be some things missing. Um, a lot of people put hobbies, talents, and interests into their jobs, um, into their marriages, which is great. Um, but I can't think of anything else that we need to look at. You could say, well, you know, how do you spend money? Well, money isn't one of those priorities. It's money is just a tool that we use for those priorities. The the trick here is that as your children grow old enough to leave the home and developed enough to leave the home, when do they go from being my children to extended family? And that balance is really tricky because our job is to give them what they need and to help them. And I do think our children who become young adults are more of a priority than other extended family members. And yet when they leave the home, they aren't quite independent yet. They're still needing us. They still need some nurturing, um, maybe some resources and some help. So when we talk about what we're willing to do or not do, the words that help us state our priorities and our principles, and when we set boundaries, it's all about what I am willing and not willing to do. Setting boundaries is, an, is not about telling them what they won't do. It's about what I won't do. Now, to get specific, if a child is trying to hit you, you don't say, don't you dare hit me. You're trying to, that's trying to control them and tell them what they can't do. What you say is, I will not allow you to hit me. Because that coins it in terms of what I will and won't do. But most most questions aren't that um, dramatic or, or drastic. So it's more like, I'm, I'm not willing to do that, but I am willing to do this. Um, I am willing to do this if that, but I'm not willing to do that if this. So you're, you're giving them information. You, you're telling them what your priorities are. You're telling them what you will and won't do, what you're willing to do. And you can say, I, I won't be a part of that, but I will always love you. Or I don't agree with it. And I think it's more important that you make your own decisions at this point. So whatever you choose will be fine with me. Or I'm willing to help pay for your schooling but I'm not going to give you cash because you've used money in ways that make me resent you. And I'm not okay having resentment because it goes back to that relationship with myself. If I do service for others and I resent it, if I say yes, 
but then I feel bad about it. That's a lose-lose. Even if they get temporarily what they want, you've broken your relationship with yourself, which ultimately undermines you as a long-term resource um, in the in the situation. So using words that are clear and sustainable and loving and confident is really helpful. I will always love you and I will never give you cash as long as I think you might use them for drugs. Or I love you so much that I am not willing to let you live in our home and continue to be depressed and comfortably miserable any longer. My job as your parent is to give you what you need, not what you want. I want to say yes whenever I can, and it's still more important that I do what you need. I rarely like to use the word but. I like to use the word and every time, and it works. I'm surprised how often it works. I love you, but sometimes you really irritate me. You know, it just discredits the I love you part. So just say, I love you, and you really irritate me sometimes. That's that's more accurate, and it's more true. So I use I like using the word and. I, I like using the words if and then quite a bit, which is some old computer coding language. If this, then that. Um, I'm willing to do this if that. Um, but if that, then this. I, I want them to have all the information they need to decide what to do without me trying to control them. When a parent sends a child to our school at Techie for Life, sometimes the child will say, you're making me go to Techie for Life. And they'll say, we're, we're not making you do anything. You are welcome to go anywhere you want. You can leave. Nobody's keeping you there. And I'm not willing to pay for you to live in an apartment or pay for your food unless I think it's going to actually help you and benefit you because I don't sleep good at night knowing that I'm, I'm enabling you to just stay stuck. So I'm not going to give you what you want, but I'm always willing to give you what, what I think you need. That way I sleep good at night. And in the end, I really believe you're going to sleep better at night, even if you're not happy about it now. So setting boundaries is about saving relationships. Ultimately, it's about connection, intimacy, and attachment. When we say yes whenever we can in healthy ways, then when we do put our foot down and say no, they'll think, oh, this must be really important to them. I'm surprised because I really do know that they want to give me whatever that they can as long as it's good for me. And I like telling children that I'm not here to be your buddy. I'm here to give you what you need. And what you need right now is a big hug or tickles or to go out for ice cream or what you need is to connect with me. So let's go sit in the hot tub. Um, I I love needs, not need twos, but needs as in I need to connect, not I need to get to work or I need connection. Excuse me. I should have said it better. Um, so, so when we talk about boundaries and priorities, if you don't know what your priorities are, then you really don't care what your boundaries are. Um, understand your priorities, set your boundaries, and you will be there for the long haul, especially with children who need longer parent-child relationships, even as they move into their adult independence years. I really hope that I can keep a relationship of influence with my adult children. I always want them to come to me and be able to say, I need help, and know that I will do what's right and what's helpful. And 
So I share that with you from everything that I believe and everything I've learned as a therapist and as a father. And I hope that can help you in how you say yes and no to the other people in your life. Good luck and have a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Autism and Neurodiversity with Jason and Debbie. If you want to learn more about our work, come visit us at jasondebbie.com. That's J-A-S-O-N-D-E-B-B-I-E.com. com.